0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information about us, check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook or Instagram at kenosha.church. In this message, Andy teaches through Romans chapter 5 about finding hope in faith. Enjoy the message.
1: Now the last few weeks, Paul has clearly established in chapter 4, the last two weeks we've been in chapter 4, he's clearly established that to be made right with God, you have to be justified by God. Uh, you must do this by placing your faith and trust in Christ. And when you do, you are justified in his sight. Now, justification, as we, this is review time, justification is a legal declaration. Uh, That you are right in God's eyes. You're no longer guilty of breaking his laws. You're no longer guilty of the sin that is in your life. This is an irrevocable and and binding declaration. It cannot be removed. When you're declared justified in the sight of Christ, you are justified. It's not like, I don't know if I am or not. It is binding. It is irrevocable. And this is important because the people of Rome, of which this letter was written to, uh, they had the the pantheon of gods, right? They had so many gods that they got to choose from uh, and the way that they approached their gods was trying to please their gods and you know Rome ancient Rome seems like it's a bit distant but it's really not all that far from what the majority of the people try uh, to do in trying to reach God in their life whatever religion it may be all religions are about works right every real religion outside of biblical Christianity to get to the deity you have to work and please that deity but there's even people in the guise of the church this morning. In fact, I would say a good chunk of churches that are meeting all across America and this world, they're meeting in the name of Jesus, but not in the grace of Jesus. Uh, they're meeting Jesus, they're meeting for Jesus to try to please Jesus through their works. Many people are approached to appease God and to receive God in that way. And that's not what justification's about. Justification is by faith in Christ alone. In fact, Martin Luther in his break with the Catholic Church said that justification by faith alone is the doctrine of which the church rises and falls you are not living a biblical Christianity you are not in a biblical church if you're online and you go to a church and they say you got to do good works to get saved or you gotta you gotta please God and maybe you'll get saved that is not a biblical church a biblical church is we bring nothing Jesus provided everything and we need to receive it he died on the cross for our sins he rose from the dead and when we say yes to Jesus we're declared not guilty of our sins it's a pretty good deal isn't it But I believe the reason why many Christian churches have emptied over the decades, is because they began to subscribe to a false gospel, a gospel of works, a social gospel, a progressive gospel, a mindset that humanism can save us. And it's invaded the minds of many and it's the reason why I believe many have left those churches because they get tired. If you try to please God by your works, you are gonna tire out and you're gonna give up. That's why grace is so beautiful. It's because grace receives us exactly where we are. God takes us where he's going. The core of the New Testament is that Jesus paid it all. He footed the bill. He paid our debt. He canceled what we could not pay. And by dying on the cross declaring it's finished he breathed his last and with the veil tearing in two we know that we are now invited into this life and when we are when we step into it we are justified declared not guilty so today we're going to move from what's it mean to be justified to how do we live a life that's been justified all right we're going to get practical here today so here's a question I have for you before we get into today's content is honestly speaking here do you feel hopeful Where's your hope quotient? Is it going up? Is it down? Kind of the same. Do you feel hopeful in your life, in your circumstances? Answer that honestly. All right. Now, as you're answering that honestly, I got to tell you an awesome story. All right. Of course, you know when I'm going to when I'm going to open up the Word of God, I always have to tell you something uh, that I think is absolutely amazing. I want to tell you about uh, a man who had a number of exotic animals. All right, uh, he had a number of animals, number of pets that were probably illegal to have. No, I'm not talking about the Tiger King. All right, uh, what I'm talking about uh, is a. Another type of king. This guy owned the meanest animal on the planet. He owned a polar bear. I don't know what his name was, so I'm gonna call him the Polar Bear King, all right? This polar bear lover had a polar bear in his yard, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Oh, the nice, cute polar bear. I wish I had one in my yard. I saw one on the Coke can. I saw one in their struggle when they fell off that little iceberg and they were swimming in the Arctic. Oh, they're such great pets. No, they're the meanest animal on the planet, all right? They are mean, and yet the polar bear king, he wanted one. Now, Alice and I, when we uh, go up to Alaska, on a couple of occasions, we drove all the way to the Arctic Ocean. And there are warning signs everywhere to beware of polar bears. Now, the first trip that we took, we didn't really know that and we pitched a tent, or we attempted to in polar bear country. We'd have been dead meat, all right? But literally, it was too windy. The tent failed and we ended up just sleeping in the car. I think that was the Lord's divine providence of keeping us alive, all right? Uh, But when we went into this last town, it's called Dead Horse. They named it Dead Horse because back in the day, if your horse made it, it was dead, all right? So we went, went to Dead Horse, Alaska on the Arctic Ocean. Literally, they warned you, look out polar bears in fact there was one warning it said warning polar bears have overrun the city and so here in kenosha we worry about squirrels they worry about polar bears in this town right and the reason being is it is the fiercest uh, mammal on on the planet that walks on land it is literally the equivalent our equivalent of today uh, of a tyrannosaurus rex right they can outrun any human. They, will, they look at us as food, unlike the other bears. We are food to them. Uh, if, if, if they see you, you're good, they're going to eat you, all right? Uh, they can smell you. For, yeah, look at that. That's a guy that was taking a picture of one. That is a real picture, all right? National Geographic uh, documentary, I think it was the BBC reporter, that was inside this little, uh, this little contraption, and the bear literally tried to bust this whole thing apart to eat him, all right? So think of that the next time you see that cute, cuddly Coke bear, all right? But they can smell a thousand times greater than a human being. So if you're literally miles away, they can sniff you and they're going to eat you. These things are fierce. And so, of course, the polar bear king, um, his story doesn't end because he was eaten. I'm just going to give you a spoiler word. It doesn't end bad. Okay, that's not where this is going. Uh, It actually takes a a weird twist here. As he had him in this electrical cage. And finally, as this bear was getting older, he's like, you know what? I'm going to remove the electrical cage. He deserves to walk around. So he got rid of the electrical cage. And you know what the bear did? He had this whole yard to which he could walk through and have freedom, right? He stayed right there. He stayed as if the cage had never moved. It just dumbfounded the polar bear king. He he just, why, move, you're free, you can go about, move, there's so much food. But he had been conditioned so much with the imprisoned electrical cage that he was in, he did not move. And as I was hearing this story, I couldn't help but think of many, many followers of Christ today. We are imprisoned by sin. We're imprisoned by the life of, that, we, that we once lived. And in Christ, that cage is removed. We are freed, and yet we stay exactly the same, and we stay in the same spot because we're, we only know the life that we once lived when Christ is asking us to move forward and live a life that we've never lived in Him. Have you ever felt that? Just, you're just scared to, to take that next step. Well, if you're in Christ today, and I know there's many people here today that maybe you're checking these things out and I'm gonna invite you to, to uh, follow Christ today, all right? So I want you to consider that. I want you to consider Jesus if, if you know you're not a follower of Christ. But for followers of Christ, I want you to know it is not normal, it is not biblical for us to stay the same. And yet many of us, we feel we stay inside that cage, uh, that, that cage of, of our past. And God is saying, step out. Step out. Here's our main point. You're going want to write this down. If you're going to want to take notes because uh, when we're in a book study like Romans, you won't remember a thing. Neither will I. All right? So take notes. All right? Main point. When you are made right, you are set free. When you are made right in Christ, you are set free. Free. Before persons in Christ, they are enslaved to sin. They are dead to sin. The Bible says you were once alienated and hostile in your minds. We were dead in our trespasses, scripture goes on. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He went to the cross on account of you. He saw you and he wanted to make right what we made wrong. So when you place your faith in Christ, when you place your trust in him alone, you are made alive, you are justified. Let's go to Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1. 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, there it is, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you are made right, You are no longer enslaved to your sins. Your vice, your addiction, your depression, your anxiety, your past, it is all past. It is not a part of your identity. You are set free. Church, when we realize what Jesus did for us and that we are free, that we no longer have to stay where we were, but we can walk forward and where he's going, we're free. This should well up celebration in our heart, church. This shouldn't be like, I think that deserves a golf clap, or I think I just want to ponder this. No, this is something that, this is the core of who we are. This is why we continue to go. This is why we have hope when we wake up in the morning is that in Jesus Christ, we're not just justified, we are set free. Not to be yourself, not to find yourself, not to be your true self. That will find you in prison again. No, it's to free you, to find yourself in who Christ has made you in him alone. Church, we have a lot to celebrate this morning, don't we? To know that we have been free, do you feel it? Do we celebrate in it? We are free, we're free you are made right, you are set free. And when you're justified, you can begin to walk with a new step. When you're right with Jesus, we're going to look at that you have peace with God. You have favor to stand on. You have joy to move forward. And you have reconciliation to live by. Let's take a look at that first one. When you're made right, you are set free. Number one is when you're right with God, you have peace with God. Let's go back to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's that word again. You know I love this word, therefore. If it's therefore, it, what's it there for, right? It connects to a preceding argument, all right? The preceding argument was this is how you're justified. So therefore, since we have been justified with faith, with faith, we have peace with God. When you place your faith in Christ, you are given a new identity. And it's no wonder the concept of one's identity is under massive attack in today's culture. Satan wants nothing more than for you to have a distorted view of what your identity is all about. The so-called truth of our day is that identity can be made or molded into anything you want it to be. And it's which you choose your identity of which you try to find your significance and your acceptance. The enemy knows this and he knows that if you try to find your acceptance and your identity in anything other than Christ your defeat is all but assured. That's what he's after. That's why he wants identity and want to have identity confusion in our culture today. And that's why our identity must be found securely in Christ if you are to find your identity of what you are made for. You are made on purpose for his purpose. Uh, he has wound up our clocks and, and the way that we tick, we'll never figure out how we tick if it's not in Christ. Someone recently told me of a story of someone they uh, knew that used to go to church. Um, it wasn't here um, but they shared with me this week actually like someone that was part of a church and um, and he, he saw them after many years and he said Billy where, where, I haven't seen you in my church for a while where where, where have you been Billy's like oh I love Jesus really like are, are, do, you, do you read your Bible Do you go to church are you hanging out with Christian friends no but Jesus and I we're doing good like on a scale of zero to ten I'm an eight all right it's like really you're an eight yeah, man, I'm an eight. So, like, what do you do with your spare time? Oh, yeah, what I do with my spare time? Like, I get high. You know, when I get up, I get high. You know, that's what I do, right? And it's like, but I mean, Jesus and I were eight out of ten. And, and, and he was saying in between all this talk, there was, you know, a number of four-letter words. And so he was just dumbfounded and confused that this person thought they were good with God, but their life was anything but good with God. Paul told the Galatian church this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There needs to be a clear difference. If you're justified in the Lord, there needs to be a clear difference. If there's no clear difference, you either have misunderstood the gospel or you have never believed in the gospel. So, are you right with God? Are you growing in Christ? Is there a difference? When you're crucified in Christ, your old self dies. It's dead. Gone. Now the reason why you can be still live out or have temptations is because we still live in a fallen body and we still remember how to live from the past. But I want you to know you're no longer enslaved to that. The cage has been removed. We've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not the old life with Christ added And sprinkled into it, no, rather, it's Christ gives us a whole new life. New thoughts, new decisions. We hear his words differently. When you are justified, you are a new person. Uh, You're not perfect, but you're new. Living a new way. So notice in verse 1. It says that since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. I want you to look at that phrase, we have You know what I love about that phrase? It's so easy just to read and go right by. That phrase, we have, means we have it. It's ours. It's not something we're looking for. We have it. We have peace with God. Now, so many of our blessings of of God, when we place our faith and trust in him, are future. Uh, we know that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, there is a future blessing of when Jesus Christ comes back and we go to be with him in heaven, we'll get, we'll receive a glorified body, we'll receive heavenly reward, we'll receive bodies that won't tire, uh, that, that won't have disease, that won't die. These are future uh, rewards. These are future blessings. The, the biggest future blessing is that we'll be before God, his throne, Jesus Christ, and we'll worship him face to face. That's the greatest blessing. But we see here right now, we have a blessing that is yours right now we have peace with god it's easy to blow through this it's easy to read this and say peace with god so if i place my faith and trust in jesus everything's gonna get easy have you thought that before man if i just do this if i pray a little bit more read my bible a little bit more give my life to jesus a little bit more then all my troubles should go away well, they may go away, but they might not. That's not what this is saying. Often people receive the message of Jesus and hope to get something else. I once had a very close friend uh, who his life was very, very difficult. Um, he, when he went to college, uh, he partied so hard he got a 1.0. He was an atheist, but he hit rock bottom, and he called me one day and said, "Andy, I want to know more about this Jesus." I shared Jesus. He gave his life to Christ. He began began going to worship nights and and coming to church. and It was really an incredible, incredible uh, just transformation. But then I began to see cracks in it. I realized that he wouldn't really talk about Jesus. He wanted his life better. And I really was challenging him. Hey, the greatest gift that you have is Jesus. It's not this or that, whatever you want. Well, I transferred to... Trinity in Deerfield from Iowa that that summer, and and I told my friend, hey, I'm going to this school. Maybe you want to do a school change. He goes, oh yeah, I'd I'd love to go to Chicago. So he applied to Trinity, but because he had a 1.0, he wouldn't hear back from Trinity. They wanted more and more information. So I was in my second week of school, and he gave me a call, and he was just distraught. He said, Trinity denied me. I thought this was my new life. I thought I was going to go to Chicago and and I was going to live a new life. And now this is what God gives me. I've been praying to him. I've been going to worship nights. I've been learning and going to Bible studies. And this is the thanks that he gives me. And on that day, he walked away and he walked right back into his atheism. Why? Because he did not receive Jesus. He received what he wanted to receive were the benefits of Jesus. And we have to be really careful with this is yes the blessings and benefits of Jesus are amazing but we can't long for those things the gifts over the giver of the gifts and so what we see here is this is right now we have peace with God verse 1 we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ our life in this world is but a mist we're here today gone tomorrow but eternity with God lasts forever. But before you focus on the blessings of what God is gonna give you, and listen, that's easy. I, I fall into that. I'm like, God, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. Or God, oh, it'd be easy if you did this. Before we focus on the blessings of God, and listen, sometimes we, we I think, overcompensate where we don't talk about the blessings of God. Uh, that's, that would be to not be thankful, all right? God blesses us, all right? He blesses us with many things. But we can't do that at the expense of knowing that we have peace with God. That the blessing is that we've been made right with God. That needs to be paramount. To understand the hopeless state that we were in without Christ will prevent you from really understanding the great salvation and peace one has in Christ. In Christ, we have peace with God, which means no matter what circumstance that you go through, you know what's unmovable and unshakable is that you're at peace with God. When the world seems like it's at war, when your family's at war and you're praying your guts out and you want God to intervene, you know no matter what you say, no matter what happens, is that you have peace with God. And it should well up excitement and joy in us because we realize this whole ground may shake, but what's immovable and unshakable is I'm good with God. In Christ, we have peace with God. This isn't a subjective peace. It's an objective reality. So are you experiencing this joy this morning that you've been made right with Christ? Seriously, like if it's just become routine, we got to repent of that. We need to be so overwhelmed with joy, so overwhelmed with gratitude and worship because of what Christ has done. If we go before God in stoic, it is a front to him. Oh, oh well, yeah, thank, thanks for doing that. Yeah, I, I thanked you 35 times in a row. Some of you aren't words of affirmation, people. Listen, it's not about God is needy for your affirmation. He is worthy of your praise. Are you joyful that you have peace with God? If not, what's preventing it? Our hope is not in ourselves, our possessions, or our positions, or our human relationships. Our hope is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Uh, And when you place your faith and trust in him, you have the immovable, unshakable reality and gift and blessing right now. You have peace with God. So when you're made right with Christ, you're set free, and immediately you receive the gift of peace with him. He is for you, not against you. When you're justified in Christ, you have this unshakable peace with God. Secondly, when you're made right with God, you have favor, his favor to stand on. Romans 5, 2. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast. Some of your translations say rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When you have faith in Christ, your footing is on the firm foundation of his favor. It's not that you're just right with God and you're at peace with him. He favors you. you like if, if you're in a sporting event, you know the parents, you wear the big buttons. And I don't know if they do that anymore, but they did that back when I was in high school. And My parents would wear the big buttons. It was so embarrassing. Listen, Jesus would be sitting in the stands with a big button with their face on it because he favors you. We stand on the firm foundation of his grace. Not works, but grace. How many of you heard this phrase growing up? You better shape up because you're on thin ice. Don't try me. Right? You're on thin ice, buster. Right? Right? And sometimes you you heard that as a kid. Maybe you told your kids that. Maybe you heard it from your boss, and you're like, oh, no, right? You know it's a bad phrase. It's a scary phrase because at any moment, you could get the wrath of your parent, your boss, your friend, or whomever, right? Your spouse, whoever. But you know what's scarier than the phrase, you're on thin ice? Thin ice, Ice is amazing, it it, it could be so thick that you could drive literally a dump truck on it, but then you get a nice 60 degree day and you can't even walk on it, right? Ice is so peculiar. Uh, In fact, I remember just a few years back, I think many of you uh, that have been in the area for a couple years are going to remember this, but at Lake Geneva's Winter Festival, right? One of the things that they did up into this year, up into that year, particular year, they would park their cars on Lake Geneva. It's pretty cool. It's like, where are we going to park? We're going to park on the lake. Like, how cool is that, right? It was like one of the features of the festivals, right? And so they did as they did every other year, but something happened. Somebody didn't check the depth of the ice, all right? It was strong the day before, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it'll be strong today." So what they do? The car parkers are bringing the cars on the on the Lake Geneva, right? And then a couple hours into the day, guess what? Everybody looking at their ice sculptures, everybody doing their shops, their heads all turn towards the lake and they're like, oh, "Look at that." They all get out their phones. Why? Because 15 cars fell into the lake. It was thin ice look at that it made national and world news that was somebody's big mistake somebody didn't warn that person hey you better watch out your car's on thin ice right thin ice if you've ever been on it and it begins to crack and begins to creak it's a scary thing you're like am i going to make it right If you're a child of God, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says you're a child of God. You've been justified, declared, not guilty. If you're standing on his grace this morning, you don't have to worry if it's cracking. You don't have to worry if you're going to fall through. You are standing. Everybody say standing. You're standing on the firm foundation of his grace, which can be translated his favor. That word Standing in the original, it shows a, a quality of fidelity, a quality that, that it will not break through. Stands, carries it, it's immovable and it's permanent. When you know the foundation of which you stand, no longer has to be that you're trying to prove yourself to God. You know what happens? You take your attention off yourself in trying to prove yourself and you move your attention to Almighty God who's proved everything and says, follow me. In his grace and his favor of God that's on your life, when you went from not being right with God to being forgiven, you must understand that it's just not that he swept it under the rug. It's just not like, I know you did some wrong things. You know, when a a kid gets in trouble and they're on thin ice and they make right with their parents, the parent will always say, I know what you did was wrong and you're okay now. You're ungrounded, but I got my eye on you. And you know, if there's kids in here, you're gonna, hear some, uh, you're, you're gonna hear some secrets here, right? But dads, you know what I'm talking about? You just walk in the room, you don't have to say a word, you just go, not a peep. Some of us feel like God is treating us that way. Even though you might hear, okay, I'm on the firm foundation of his grace, but you're like, I've done a lot of bad things. I've had a really bad week, I messed up this week, and I know God's saying, I got my eye on you. And when you begin to look at God that way, guess what you're forgetting? The firm foundation of the grace and favor He has for you. Make no mistake. Sin matters to God. Something happened in your life. Sin happened. And there are consequences to sin. God is not sweeping the wrongdoings under the rug. You may have grown up in a family where where things were swept under the rug... And it didn't solve anything. It just made things worse. That's not what happened here. Jesus took care of it. He took care of what we could not do. He took care of it by standing in our place, by being the perfect su- substitution and sacrifice. And we're standing in that firm foundation, not because God's like, I'm just not gonna, I'm just going to ignore it. No, he didn't ignore it. He dealt with it. He dealt with it. And when you try to stand upon your own works, you step off the firm foundation of his grace his undeserved favor on your life. You know what happens when you try to stand on your own works? And listen, every single one of us, we do this. It, sometimes it's a slow fade. Sometimes we're just having a bad day. It's like, I'm going to try to prove myself, whether it's to God, whether it's to somebody else. When you are trying to prove yourself and your goodness by what you do, what you are doing is you're opening yourself up to the accusations of at least a bad conscience, but more importantly and more dangerously, a powerful enemy. The Bible calls the devil the great accuser. Which means this, when you are trying to push your perfectionism on yourself and through your life, the accuser will always be there to tell you where you're wrong and how bad you are doing it. And the, his reasoning is very simple. is He wants to make you so dejected that you give up and you give in. And so it could be a vice, it could be a way of thinking, it could be a, a, it could be a toxic friendship, whatever it is. And so the accuser is, is accusing you of how bad you're doing it. He begins to attempt you to go do the very thing that you're feeling bad about so you'll give into that temptation you'll take a second look uh you'll you'll go back to your addictions whatever it is he'll tempt you to go into it and then what he does once you go in and give into that thing is he trades his pitchfork for a little halo and he begins to accuse you again and saying how dare you how dare you do you know what you did Oh, you thought you were perfect, and then you went ahead and did this thing, and now you want to go to church on Sunday? Now you want to watch church online? Uh, Now now you want to, you're, you're supposed to invite somebody to church today, and you did that. You can't show yourself there. You can't talk to God. That's his plan. When you no longer stand on the firm foundation of grace, you open yourself up to demonic attack. It shows you that, indeed, you can't do it by yourself because you can't. It shows all your your weaknesses, and and his job is to deject you, for you to give in, and then to accuse you. And it becomes this downward spiral and cycle. Do you feel his favor this morning? Do you feel like you're standing on the firm foundation of His grace? You know what I love about this? If you're a follower of Christ, you know how you get back on the firm foundation of grace? You just step right back on it. Oh, you don't know what I went through. He does. That's the beauty of free grace. And when we stumble and sin, remember, we're not to sin anymore. The fidelity of grace is able to stand and uphold us. Don't mishear me. Grace is not an excuse for sin. Some people are like, well, sweet. Like if I could just stand right back on it, man, I've done. I, I robbed fifteen banks yesterday, but guess what? I'm fine now, right? No, there's going to be a damaged trail of sin, right? And and but the grace is not a, a open invitation for you to have freedom to sin. No, rather, it is an open invitation for you to have the freedom to obey. When we realize what great grace we have in Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, it should well up a spirit of worship that we long to be with Jesus, that we long to worship him, that we long to grow in the things of God, that we long to be under the dependency of the Holy Spirit. If we don't long for those things, something's wrong. And don't like, oh, well, I wasn't doing it good. Yeah, none of us do it good. So stand on grace and say, God, I realize I've messed up. I'm here to receive. That's it. Because we stand secure, we're free from being the point of reference. And our point of reference becomes the perfection of Christ. When you're made right, you are set free. When you're set free, you have peace with God. When you're set free, you have favor to stand on. Third, when you're set free, you have joy to move forward. Back to Romans 5.2. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because we have the firm foundation with the favor and grace of God, Jesus Christ, we are enabled to rejoice. We we, we are able to rejoice. We're commanded to rejoice to any and all circumstances. We have no reason to fear no matter what life will bring. The hope starts now because you have peace with God you have hope because we have grace that we can stand on we have hope and because what we have hope guess what we get to do we can rejoice and it's not empty rejoicing you know what empty rejoicing is I've emptied rejoiced before it's where I'm singing worship songs but my mind is divided I am more enamored by the thing that's going wrong that I'm not trusting God and praising him alone in that moment It's called double-minded praise. It's hard to get rid of. But you know what I do when I have double-minded praise, whether it's reading God's word or I'm trying to listen to the voice of God or I'm, I'm praising him? What I do is I say, God, help me. Help me right now because right now my heart is not fully devoted to you. Help me in my focus. Help me in my trust. Help me to fully stand in the firm foundation of your grace. Help me have joy. Our hope. Our joy, is what we see right here in verse 2, is in the glory of God. Our hope is in his glory, in his second coming, in who Christ is is making us to be. But you know, it's quite impossible to put to words what exactly the glory of God is. In fact, it's become almost a throwaway term for for many followers of Christ, right? Like you can say anything and then end the sentence with, to the glory of God. Just try it today, right? Man, I'm gonna go to Taco Bell to the glory of God, right? Oh man, I'm gonna read my Bible today to the glory of God. Man, I'm gonna talk to my neighbor today to the glory of God. You know, today I'm gonna go to Six Flags to the glory of God, right? Uh, you know, tonight I'm gonna go to bed at eight o'clock to the glory of God. It, it's become almost a byword or a byline to give ourselves excuses to do whatever we want because it's to the glory of God, right? What does that mean? What does the glory of God mean? Well, you know who knew more than anybody in the New Testament? was the writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul. You want to know why? He was caught up into heaven. Did you know that? He, took, he had a little vacation. He went to heaven for a little bit, all right? Uh, he talks about this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 12, 4. He said, I was caught up into paradise and heard unexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. He was so changed. He was caught up uh, into the heavens. He, he didn't know whether it a body or whether it was a vision, but he saw the glory of God. And you know what? That changed him in, in a way to where he whenever he wrote to the churches and he talked about the glory of God, he's like, don't miss this. This is where our hope's at. You want to know what? well how do you know i've seen it i've seen it don't miss this if you if you live for anything else if it's not for the glory of god if it's not for eternity you are really selling yourself short and it's not about the blessings you're gonna get and oh boy there's gonna be a lot it is because we get to be before god we get to be before the lord god almighty jesus christ in heaven forever Paul was caught up. He was raptured. That's the same word, by the way, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 4, when he was caught up into paradise. That word caught up is the same word which we get rapture from. It's the same word that is used uh, when the Bible talks about that we will be caught up uh, in the second coming of Christ. Paul was raptured into heaven, and he was changed. And when you experience the glory of God, you're going to be compelled not to live for your own glory. You're going to realize that living for your own glory is is short-sighted when your hope is in the world's glory you'll be sidelined but when your hope is in the glory of God you will not only not be sidelined you'll know how to get through every and all circumstances of life check out verse three not only that but also we boast in our afflictions because we know that the affliction produces endurance endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope So just as the book of James starts off and tells us that we need to count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when we encounter trials of various kinds, what Paul is telling us right now in uh, verse 3 is that whenever we experience hardships and sufferings, if we've been justified, if we are a child of God, if we've said yes to Jesus, uh, you must understand we have peace with God, all right? Uh, we stand on the firm foundation of the, of the grace of God, which means that we have joy that's inexpressible, joy in the glory of God. When you realize where your joy and your hope lies, that it's not in this world, that means that whatever affliction or suffering that you're facing, you can get through. Well, What if it kills me? It won't kill your soul. Did you, did you think about that? Like, I live in this scenario. What's the worst that could happen? Well, sometimes it's really bad. But if you're secure in Christ, we could be nuked. And we'd be in heaven. Now I'm not saying, like, okay, let's let the nuke No, 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 not at all. Every day is a gift. And we are to use our days as a gift to move forward to the kingdom of God and reach people for Jesus and to enjoy Jesus, right? But the thing is this. Our afflictions are for our good. This is isn't this is what I mean, though. Sometimes you may have met a follower of Christ, or sometimes even on some Christian radio, they're like this. Yeah, good morning, everybody. And, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, our house burnt down last night. Our dog died, and my whole family got kidnapped. And uh, But, uh, man, I'm just having a really good day in the Lord. The temperature's uh, 45 degrees out today. Uh, traffic's light. I'm like, Seriously? Wasn't quite that crazy, but it's like, seriously, you're having a bad day, dude. You don't have to smile. Like, I mean, you don't have to pretend smile, right? You can say, "Hey, I'm struggling today," right? Like, my, my dog died and the house burned down and my family got kidnapped. I still went to work. Don't even understand that part, right? But here I am. I need your prayers, but I want you to know that even in all that, God is faithful and I'm at peace with Him and I'm standing on His grace this morning. You get what I'm saying? That hymn, Great is His Faithfulness, you know? or you know, Great is His faithfulness needs to be the, the song of a heart, right? Or that song, It Is Well. Did you know It Is Well was written after the hymn writer lost his whole family? How is It Is Well? No, it wasn't well in his life, but it is well in his soul. Why? Because when our souls know that we're at peace with God we're standing on the firm foundation of grace we can have joy and move forward in any and all circumstances amen I don't like afflictions or suffering I don't and I pray that God will remove them I pray that God will heal I pray that God will do a number of things right and I pray with full faith that God will do them right because the Bible says that God can move the mountain right Just we heard last week, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move the mountain. I take God at face value on that, right? Here's the deal. I will ask God of everything. I will move forward in everything in that. But no matter how God moves, I'll trust him in everything. I'll trust him in everything. You want to know why? Because when this world, however it goes, it doesn't change the condition of our soul if we're in Jesus Christ. It doesn't change that. And when we face afflictions and suffering, it's to our good. Did you know that? I'm not asking, like, oh, more suffering, Lord. No, none of that, right? But when it happens, you know what's happening, especially on the account of the Lord? If you're in the Lord and you're facing suffering, it's like a holy workout. Do you know that? When you're facing suffering, when you're facing affliction, when you know who you are in the Lord and you're allowing him to move you through this situation, it's like doing hurly, oh hurly, it's like doing holy uh, curls. It's like, it's, it's like getting down in the gym and you're doing, you're doing your squats, right? You're like, okay, Lord, I know I hate this situation. Just like I hate squats. I hate them, right? I know I'm doing this, Lord, but listen, I know that when I am done, I know that when you are done, when you bring me to that next season, Lord, I know, Lord, that I'm going to be stronger. And It's not I who made myself strong. You made me strong. You made me strong. Do not take for granted any season of suffering. Do not take for granted any moment of affliction. Because if you are walking in it in the Lord, he is making you stronger. It's a promise. It's a promise. How do you know? Well, because Paul says so. Here we go. Because we know that affliction, verse 3, produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. So, your afflictions, when you are being strong, when you're made stronger in the Lord, it produces endurance, which is a steadfastness. Maybe you remember a time in your life where you know somebody and they just melt at anything, right? Just the smallest thing. They just begin to bawl. They begin to cry. They begin to just melt. Oh, oh no. I hit a red light. Oh, yeah, right? And what happens is endurance allows you to endure more. So when the big things come, you're faithful then. Endurance. Endurance. Listen to this. It's like, it's like dominoes dropping here. Verse 4. Endurance produces character. That Greek word used for character is the same word that a metalsmith would test the purity of gold and silver. He's producing character in you. In verse 3, and we see here, verse 4, excuse me, it says that character produces hope. It's a full circle. The hope that we have creates joy that allows you to endure affliction, that gives you endurance, that gives you character, that gives you hope. You see, remember what I said that the enemy wants to put you in a you know, downward spiral? God wants to put you in an upward spiral. Make no mistake, I'm not telling you a self-help seven steps to making you stronger in the spirit by yourself. Too often we read the Bible and think, I can do that. You can't do any of it without the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Look at verse five. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So notice where your strength comes from not from yourself. It's not from your due diligence and, and, and you know and your rigidness listen those things aren't not bad right that's part of the mechanism of obedience but make no mistake the one strengthening you is the holy spirit when you place your faith and trust in Jesus you're given the holy spirit paul tells the romans elsewhere he says he who has not the spirit has not god but make no mistake you can have the spirit and not be filled in the spirit paul makes that very clear in the in the ephesians not being under the, the fullness and the overwhelmingness of the Spirit. How do you know that? Well, you can find, uh, Christians are a dime a dozen who say they know the Holy Spirit and they know the joy of God and they look absolutely miserable. Right? I know the Holy Spirit. I'm so joyful. I love God. Like, are you in pain? No. Right? You, and you're laughing and I'm laughing because we we met these people. We've met these people. We have the Holy, if you're in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, you're just not being filled in the Holy Spirit. You don't have the fullness of the Spirit. Why don't we have the fullness of the Spirit? Because guess what? We're leaky vessels. We're leaky. Went to Starbucks the other day and um, got myself, oh, look at this, here it is. Perfect. I had a little cold brew like this. By the time I got out to my car, I'm like, it was, it was like this, it wasn't full. I'm like, world I wasn't paying attention I was like what gives them the right to give me a cup that's only three-fourths full what's going on until I realized oh the plastic cup has a slit in it and it's been literally leaking all the way out to my car right and you know what that's who we are I of course went in and, and got it filled back up and got another cup right but the thing is we are leaky vessels when we are filled with the Holy Spirit guess what happens Paul says it's in a continuous action We need to constantly seek the presence of the Holy Spirit and the yielding to the Holy Spirit and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we want to do it ourselves. That's that's our mindset. The Holy Spirit reminds us, you can't do it without me. Man, how scary is it that we, that that, uh, that a church, that a follower of Christ can just make the Holy Spirit theoretical? You can't possibly read the New Testament and come up with that. Can't. It's not not this holy who, it's the Holy Spirit. And so when you read how the Holy Spirit empowers you, you realize you're not going to go where God wants you to go if you're not allowing him to empower you. Notice this in verse 5. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Notice that word poured, all right? That is the same word that is used in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. It's also the same word uh, when, you, you, when you go back in the Old Testament in the Hebrew that, that uh, Peter quoted Joel when he said, The last days the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. That word poured out, by the way, isn't just a nice little tr- little sprinkle, right? You're going to get the Holy Spirit. Here you go. Little sprinkle, right? No, rather this word poured out is like a gush. It's a torrent. It's overwhelming, so without the Holy Spirit, we will operate in the flesh at best. Without the Holy Spirit, you will grow restless. Without the Holy Spirit, you will not grow. But with the Spirit, you will grow. You'll be able to carry loads that you're unable to carry otherwise. You'll, you'll experience the kingdom of God working through you, and you will experience joy that's inexpressible. That inexpressible words that he heard in heaven, you want to know what that was? That was inexpressible joy he couldn't even make sense of. And when you experience the joy of the Holy Spirit, it's hard to explain. You want to know why? That's the inexpressible joy. It's the down payment that you're going to experience in heaven all the time. When you're made right with God, you're set free. You're set free to have joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Last thing. And then we're just going to meet with God. Number four, when you're justified, you have reconciliation to live by. You have reconciliation to live by. This last point is, uh, we're going to do this a little different. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to give a few comments on it. And then we're just going to meet with God. All right? So drink it in. As I read this, Romans five or six. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us how much more then since we have now been justified by his blood will we be saved through him from wrath for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life and not only that but also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom now we have received here it is the reconciliation this is the gospel Man, you could take Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11. You could just read that to somebody. That is the gospel. Why? Because you're justified to be reconciled. To be reconciled means you're receiving it all. If you want the joy, if you want, if you want to stand on the firm footing of, of, of grace, if you, if you want the, the peace of God, all those things are made possible because you have been reconciled. Reconciliation is a term that brings one into grace reconciliation is a word that we often use even when we talk about bills. If you have a bill and it's been reconciled, it means that whatever you owed or whatever debt there was, it's gone. You no longer owe. You know, we live in an age where everybody gets offended about everything. We live in an age, just as Tom asked that question last week, uh, you know, have you lost trust in different institutions? And it was like a shouting match here. Yeah, I lost, It it was kind of funny, all right? But we live in an age that's really confusing. But you know what's not confusing, what hasn't changed. The Lord God Almighty, God's word giving us instructions and power how to live. The Holy Spirit who enables us to be obedient. We live in a cancel culture where if you did something wrong, or if you offended the wrong person in the wrong time who happened to be in a position of a megaphone, your life may be over. And it's disgusting. Because it's the absolute opposite of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the opposite of cancel culture, it's redemption culture. It's we who were in sin, who had nothing to prove to God, stood as enemies before Him, were forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Church is the reason why in this last year and a half there's been so many things, so many marches down the street, so many this, that, or whatever why I said because I have to I'm bound by this by scripture it's all about the gospel the gospel changes everything everything and not a redefined gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ who's in the business of reconciliation of anybody and everybody who places their faith and trust in him alone and if we get canceled by culture because we're going to preach a message of grace of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ and Him alone, then so be it. But this is the battle line. This is the line of which we draw. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you are one that's forgiving. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that enables us to be people of God. Lord, we just pray today for everybody in this room that doesn't know you. In fact, just as we continue to pray, I just want to speak to those who maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus before. Jesus did not cancel you. He went to the cross to redeem you. And when he went to the cross, he canceled your debt, your sin. He experienced the wrath of God. In fact, on the cross, he experienced the wrath of God so much so he yelled out, my, my God, my God, why do you forsake me? Because he was experiencing the wrath of God and the sins that he was being punished for on your behalf. Then he prayed out and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The Bible is very clear. For God so loved the world. And he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know where you're at in this room today, but if you've never personally asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, if you've never asked him to forgive your sins, today's the day. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead and you will be saved. Just tell him that right now. Right now. In fact, if that's you, Today, today you're answering to Jesus. You're saying, yep, I'm making sure of that right now. I've placed my faith and trust in him this morning. If that's you, we just look up at me? You just look up at me. Great. Great, thank you. As we continue to pray, a couple things. We need to pray that we rediscover the joy of having peace with God. Rediscover that joy. We need to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot go this alone. We can't go this in our flesh and our knowledge. We need a spirit. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. I just want to share this. I believe that today is a watershed moment for many. You've realized, it's been visualized how much you've been trying to rely on yourself. For many of you, it's not because you didn't know Jesus. You do know Jesus. There's a difference between knowing Jesus, knowing and trying to do the right thing, but without doing it in his power strength. So Father fill this church today with the knowledge, awareness presence of your spirit to empower us. Fill us today God. I pray that this wouldn't just be a moment but God this week we'd pursue it, we'd pursue you, be aware of you and have an open heart to grow in a growth season personally like we've never had before. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information about Emmanuel Kenosha Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you'd connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emmanuel Kenosha. That way, you never have to miss an episode. At Emmanuel, we are not perfect people, but we are people being made new through Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.